1: The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news in liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, July 29th, 2023. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one, so let me uh, dispense with a lot of the stuff that we usually talk about. Uh, let me tell you who our guests are, because um, uh, we really have a packed show today, and they're excellent guests. First of all, I'm very, very happy that we've got my good friend Tom Homan, who is bar none a border security expert, and he is known across the land for his uh, public speaking, and uh, I, I can't say enough good things about About the man, he is uh, going to be chatting with us at the. He's going to be our very first guest. He's going to be chatting with us. Uh, After that, we've got my other good buddy, Mister Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. He's written a new article, my friends, that really, really just rips the uh, this whole charade of a uh, of having any type of border security that the uh, that the Biden administration might be talking about. I mean, he rips it apart. So uh, he's our second guest. Our third guest is Mr. Wood Lyman uh, with Border Hawk News. He is a Border Hawk News reporter. He's got uh, some real interesting things to report on uh, regarding his uh, visit to the border. And then our finally, our final guest is a new one. It's uh, Mr. Uh, it, it, Texas State Representative Brooks Landgraf from the Odessa Permian area. And uh, he is going to be chatting with us about the silliness of uh, the green plans that are trying to be pushed on to Texans, particularly out of Dallas, and what uh, he's been doing to fight against that uh, in in the in the Texas State House. So, without further ado, my friends, let's go to our first guest, Mr. Tom Homan. Howdy, howdy, howdy! Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Talking to you, and we've got uh, a very dear friend of mine, Mr. Tom Homan, who is, uh, in my opinion, he's become the voice of what is going on at the border. Uh, he is very, very involved in uh, in speaking out, particularly in D.C. And uh, he has a documentary, and I wanted him to come on and tell us about this documentary that uh, that uh, a lot of folks are talking about. Tom, thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell us about this documentary that you've done.
3: Well, look, when I retired, I wrote a book called "Defend the Border, and Save Lives." And the reason I did that is because look, there's a lot of people in this country that don't understand uh, the border crisis. There's a lot of people in this country that hate my guts. Kay? You know, I've been called a racist and a white nationalist. You name it, I've been called it. Deportations because me and my family, and and I think a lot of it is because they they just don't understand. Uh, what I've seen in 35 years and what I experienced. And I wrote a book about my experiences, what I saw on the border, the the tragedies, the death, the uh, massive uh, sexual assaults of females. And so I wrote a book called Defend the Border and Save Lives. I truly believe a secure border saved lives. And a clear example of that is under President Trump when he had illegal immigration down 83%. percent i think about that for a moment. 83% less people were coming which means what? It means a lot less people are dying, a lot less women are being sexually assaulted about the chartels. It's like you take 83% of the cars off the freeway, would you have less freeway deaths? Of course you would. So I wrote a book explaining all you know, why you know, my career is starting as a board agent, a special agent, and the first director of rights that actually came up to the ranks. And I talked about the many, many tragedies I saw on the board that made me who I am today. And my effort was to educate American people that, look, you can hate me if you want to guess, but if you understood what was going on down there, if you wore my shoes for 34 years, you'd be upset, too, about a lawless border that just causes more migrant deaths, more sexual assaults, and bottom line is that under the Biden administration, right now, we got over 1,700 migrants that died in U.S. soil, a record by far, historic record, over 100,000 Americans died in fentanyl that comes across that border, <laughs> A historic surge in tra- uh, sex trafficking in women and children. So, just just as one example, that a secure border saves lives, but this border is, that's open right now is is killing Americans and killing uh, migrants at
1: record numbers. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree more. Yesterday, uh, while I when I was uh, visiting down in uh, Del Rio, the uh, number of people that are just crossing it, it's. Uh, You know, it's it's outrageous. And so many of them are risking their lives. The only reason they are risking their lives is because they can get in, which, you know, is exactly your argument.
3: Well, absolutely. Look, when you make the promises this administration has made, right, when you say you can enter this country legally, we're not going to detain you. We're going to release you. We're going to transport you to the city of your choice at our expense. You're going to get work authorization for five to seven years while your case is pending. Even though, based on immigration court data over the last 10 years, 90% of you don't qualify for asylum. You get an order removal. We're going to make another promise. The Secretary of Homeland Security out of has said, quote, being in the country legally on its own, isn't enough for ICE to go seek you out and arrest you. So when you make those type of promises on top of pre-medical care, you know, uh, uh, driver's licenses and uh, in-state tuition and in a lot of these big cities like LA and New York help pay your legal expenses for your immigration fight. When you make those type of promises, the most vulnerable people in the world will put themselves in the hands of criminal cartels that come to take advantage of the giveaway program. And, and that's how, that, with the, with the historic surge on the border, these cartels, they're, they're, they're not good people, and, and they sexually assault the women. If migrants get sick, they're not calling 911. They're them there to die. And, and you know, vulnerable people don't take advantage of an open border. So shame on this administration. They think what they're doing is humane. But, again, I'll keep telling you, a record number of migrants have died. A record number of Americans have died. There's a record number of, of known suspected terrorists across the borders. There's, there's a record number of sex trafficking of children. This This administration is not humane killing
1: people record numbers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you, uh, yesterday uh, or should I say on uh, Wednesday, the um, uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, uh, went up before a congressional uh, panel uh, on a hearing. Uh, there is a lot of talk about uh, an impeachment. Give me your thoughts on that.
3: No, he should be impeached. He should have been impeached a year ago. Look, they, they, the Democrats impeach President Trump for making a phone call to Ukraine. For <laughs> making a phone call. They can impeach their president for making a phone call. Can they impeach, impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, who has not only violated his oath office, but has ordered the Border Patrol and ICE not to do their job? And, and, and since he's been Secretary, again, over 1,700 migrants have died, over 100,000 Americans have died, over 267 non-inspected terrorists across the border. A record number of women chilling in sex traffic. He lied from the White House podium and slandered the men of the Horse Patrol, knowing they didn't do anything wrong he was prior to that press briefing that they were innocent. But he went and stood at the White House podium and slandered them, anyways. Wow. He abandoned the men and women of the Border Patrol. He abandoned men and women of ICE. He's instructed ICE that they can't rest an illegal alien, telling them to violate the old safe truck, ignore the laws passed by Congress. They certainly, certainly have enough to impeach him. They should have done it a year ago. They, they better get off their bus and get it done.
1: I I couldn't agree more. Uh, from what I, I continue to see and what he says, I mean, I can't believe uh, the outrageous things that he says. Him and him and John Pierre from the from the White House. I can't I can't believe the things that they say. <clears throat>
3: but he, if, his, if his lips are moving, he's lying. And that's another thing they should impeach him for. He's given false testimony under oath. In front of Congress, that's a felony in itself. So you know that alone should get him impeached.
1: That's right. I mean, how many times has he has he said with a straight face that the border is secure? <laughs>
3: <laughs> then, then, he, then, then he talks about you know he's, he's, he's playing the show game on the border, saying illegal crossings down fifty percent. They really aren't. He just took that fifty percent and 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 having them come through a port of entry, calling that illegal entry, which it's not. And, and so it's just, you know, he, he's abusing the parole, the federal parole statute to bring thousands through a port of entry so he can mis-message the American people that illegal crossings are down. He hasn't secured the border. He simply took a big bunch of these people and bring them through the port of entry so he doesn't have to count them as the illegal entry between the ports. It's just, it's, 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 it's almost childish what he's doing. I mean, if anybody doesn't see this, and I saw, Republicans, Democrats on the hill, talking about how successful he's been. No, if you take the number, the thousands they bring us through the port of entry, plus the thousands border patrol still arresting entering illegally, you add them together. We're still at eight, nine, ten thousand a day, historic numbers. But he's got a lot of this country fooled because of the purposeful, purposeful mis messaging of what he's actually doing on the border. The border is not secure. And even, even if, let's say, even if he does, say, the illegal crossing between the border entries at 3,500, 4,000 a day, that's still about 400% more than President Trump. they got nothing to celebrate. Their numbers are still outrageous.
1: They, they truly are. They truly are. And even with those outrageous numbers and the uh, supposed easy way to get in, uh, last night on Wednesday, there was an attempt by about a hundred Venezuelans to rush the the um, uh, the bridge there at uh, in in Eagle Pass. Incredible! So uh, people, I mean, the 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 border is far from being in, from being secured.
3: No, the you know the cartels. The you no, know, they're using the actions of this uh, administration. The administration can say all they want. We're going to be patriots. They don't claim asylum in a free country we're going to be patrons they don't use the cbp one app but look the bottom line is they're releasing thousands every day into the united states flying them to a city of their choice a taxpayer dying like i said all the giveaway programs their actions speak louder than the words and the cartels are using that they're, they're convincing people look they're releasing thousands a day don't you want to get to united states and be released and if you lose your kings, ICE isn't looking for you. ICE been told if you're simply in the country illegally, they're not allowed to look for you. So, you know, the cartels are using the very actions of this administration to put people in, in harm's way to come to the United States.
1: Incredible. Incredible. Buddy, we're going to let you go, but um, tell the folks once again about the name of this documentary and uh, how they can how they can watch it, where they can... Uh, look,
3: it's called Defend the Border Save Lives. You can go to org and you can watch it for free. Also, I I implore your people to go to border911.com. Again, border911.com. I just started a nonprofit. I brought the the smartest minds on border security, immigration enforcement, and national security on the team. I got Mark Morgan, commissioner of CBP. I got Jason Jones uh, from Newsmax, a, a career DPS intelligence officer that knows cartels better than anybody. I got, I got uh, Derek Moss, retired DEA agent who's, who's, who's coming going across the country talking about the dangers of fentanyl. I got Jim Ballard, who just put out the movie Sound of Freedom, uh, expert on human trafficking. I got Sarah Sanders, uh, I mean, Sarah Carter from Fox News, who's been a, jur- uh, a journalistic investigator, investigative journalist on the southern border for over 20 years. I got the, I got the, 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 the finest team on border security that could ever be assembled. So go to border911.com and sign up. The website should go live in a couple weeks, but you can go there now and sign up and get notified when we're going live.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I'll be sure to go to join up. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with my good buddy, Mr. Tom Holman, uh, who uh, is out there fighting the fight uh, for, uh, for border security and uh, addressing this whole problem that has been created by uh, folks who, well, we just don't know any better about protecting our country. Tom, thank you very, very much. Stay safe.
3: All right, you keep up the fight.
1: Thank you, everybody. You. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. And he's just done another of his hard hitting uh, reports, another article. And uh, I wanted to get him on so he could talk about this because it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting and some would say uh, kind of damning to the uh, Biden administration. Talk to us, Todd. Tell us about your article.
4: Sure. Well, we should start off with the fact that. That Governor Greg Abbott has really troubled down on border security uh, particularly this tactic called Operation Hold the Line Which involves stringing barbed wire Along the riverfront And then putting troopers And National Guard back there Behind it To physically block immigrants Trying to come up the riverbank Keeping them in the water uh, Or at least uh, you know On the riverbank But not inside the country And they've really expanded this thing. They started it in um, May down in Matamoros, Brownsville, and then decided to institutionalize this policy border-wide on all 1,254 miles of the Texas border, Operation Hold the Line. And so they're really traveling down in Del Rio sector right now, because that's the busiest sector in Texas for illegal immigration. But what I found when I went down there is that the border patrol is still in and around these Texas fortifications. All this barbed wire and uh, they're building new roads and uh, putting up um, cargo container walls and fencing and everything else. But, but if uh, the immigrants can get their, find their way to a border patrol agent, the border patrol agent will escort them right through the lines and within 24 hours have them on a bus with a notice to appear in any city they want to settle in. And so they're in permanently, forever. And that keeps the immigrants uh, pushing and probing and coming back again and again and again until they can find that magical border patrol agent. This has set up a kind of a what I call a Cold War between Texas and Biden's border patrol because they're working at cross purposes on polar opposite policies, Texas blocking everybody and Biden bringing everybody in
1: Incredible. the
4: opposite, the opposite of blocking That's the gist of the story. I have a video report that just went up uh, on Friday evening uh, that really shows it more than tells it. Because I had my drone up there and interviewed all kinds of uh, immigrants and you could see Texas blocking them. And you really kind of get a sense of how the immigrants are hunting, they're avoiding uh, Texas and hunting by...
1: You know, this is very, very disturbing because for so long we have felt that the, uh, you know, that uh, the Border Patrol was um, uh, just uh, doing their best to stop things. But now it seems like uh, they're being forced in, or they're being placed in a situation where they have to let them in. This is incredible.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'm not making a a moral uh, judgment about border patrol agents. I know them. I I'm a huge supporter and fan of the border patrol, but you know, they, this is about a policy out of Washington that they are ordered to do. They're ordered to give, Notices to appear, it's catch and release to almost everybody who crosses the Texas border that they can find. They, they, you know, the post-Title 42, everybody was saying, well, you know, border patrol is going to be real tough. There's all these tough policies, but none of that is turning out to be applied on the ground. They're just still letting everybody in, just like always. Just like I predicted, just like a whole bunch of people like me predicted, what happened is exactly what happened. Everybody gets
1: in. That's incredible. Now, when we're talking about again um, the uh, the Biden administration, there were a couple of articles that the uh, that the news uh, was pushing out last week regarding the drop of uh, of, of uh, illegal aliens being caught or intercepted. Uh, again, are they pay- playing that shell game with us?
4: Very, very much so. Uh, So there there is a decline in the number of apprehensions by Border Patrol. And I, I attribute that to two things. One is the Texas operations, I think, are forcing immigrants to stay in Mexico and wait for CBP-1 permission slips that the administration has ramped up, entry slips where you have Thousands of immigrants waiting every single day at the ports of entry for for uh, the gate to open and they could walk right into America with these things. Uh, My friend Ben Berkwam just put up a, a video out of Tijuana just showing hundreds and hundreds just pouring over the port of entry right through the port of entry. So they may not be coming through illegally, but so what? They're coming in, they're being allowed in. And there is good reason to believe that the Biden administration is bringing them in by the tens of thousands a month illegally. The Biden administration is the smuggler by handing out these CBP-1 permits. And so whatever the percentage drop is that they're talking about for illegal apprehensions, an equal, if not more number, are being let in on the bridges. That's so. It. It's just a it's just a stupid shell game that, like any you know, fifth grader could see right through.
1: So so we've got folks, so we've got folks coming in or around the um, the barriers that the state of Texas has put up. Plus, uh, they are coming in through the ports the of bridges. entry through the ports of entry. And um, with uh, no delay or or, uh, uh, or, or, or consequences. So um, I mean, where's the border?
4: We think there's we think there's probably that they'll be letting a billion people in over the course of a year on these bridges, and you can't see it because they're inside buildings. It's happening inside border uh, CBP buildings, so you can't see.
1: Oh my gosh.
4: The, Thousands of people that used to be standing around on the riverbank—they've just moved them to this other place. They're counting them in a different way, but the same number of people, if not more. I saw uh, 250,000 people came in in June between CBP one and and over the river. That's a like a huge record-breaking, massive number of people that entered the U.S. over the southern border uh, in in a couple of different ways. So so yes. Uh don't don't buy into, you know, well the the number that came in illegally uh between the ports and the brush is down so nothing to worry about here. The total number is up. America is being flooded. Every city.
1: Now uh there have been some stories about um border patrol agents cutting wire. Do you know anything about that? To let to let people in?
4: Um I have heard about a couple. I don't think they're doing it on a regular basis. Uh, I've heard a couple of reports about that. Typically, Border Patrol will uh, be on the edges, on the farthest reaches of the Texas fortifications. Every day, Texas is building more and more yardage. uh, But there's always an outer perimeter. And the immigrants can just hike to the perimeter and cross it there, and there's always Border Patrol sitting, waiting for them. Wow. So they'll just bring them right on in.
1: And once they introduce themselves to the Border Patrol, that's pretty much Katie by that's the door. It.
4: That's it. That's yeah, it. that's it. They're in, they're in custody of Border Patrol. It wasn't that long ago, about two and a half years ago, that when Border Patrol got their hands on immigrants crossing illegally, they would take them to a port of entry and throw them back right. under a, under Remain in Mexico, or Title 42, 90% of everybody they caught.
1: But this, that's with
4: gone. Title 52, that's gone. Now it's we're giving you an NTA, putting you on a bus to Chicago, and waiting for the next group.
1: Oh, geez. Incredible. So at this point, all of these people coming in, they're pretty much in to stay, right?
4: Absolutely. They're not going home ever. Wow! They will never go home. It's permanent. Wow! And that's why they keep they keep battering themselves against the Texas fortification because because all it takes is just one contact with a border patrol somewhere and you're in forever. The payoff is just too vast and rich for them to just go home
1: in- at this point. Incredible! Wow. Well, uh, I you know I'm not sure where where it's going to end unless. It's uh, replacing this Biden administration. I, that's the only thing that I can see.
4: That's where it's going to end. That's the only place.
1: That's really the only thing. I mean, America. American citizens need to understand that fact: that it's not going to end until there's a new re- administration in Washington. And even yes, then, even then, that's, that's it probably absolutely. will not.
4: Well, you know, a Republican could probably end this whole thing in about a week. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very easy to fix this.
1: I would hope. Tell the people where they can follow you, buddy.
4: ToddBenzman.com. That's my website. My book is Overrun: How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. It's my book, all about this particular border crisis. And I'm on Twitter, Benzman Todd.
1: Wow. Well, thank you very, very much for updating us on this uh, on this issue. Uh, again, folks, it's not going to change until we have a new administration in, in Washington, D.C. That's the bottom line. So um, thank you very, very much, Todd. Keep us uh, posted, and uh, we'll get you on again pretty soon. Thank you. Once again, George Valdigas and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy howdy, howdy once again, my friends George Rodriguez El conservador talking to you from San Antonio deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got uh our good friend mr. wood Lyman uh who is with border Hawk news and he is uh uh he has been uh, following some stories, so I wanted to catch up with him because these are very, very interesting stories, my friends that uh impact on our culture on our communities et cetera, et cetera. Wit, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell us what's going on in your area. George,
2: it's good to be with you again. Thank you for having me on the show. So I'm currently in Michigan right now, and we're looking at a story that's had a lot of national attention. So there's a, an area, uh, I don't want to call it a town, but a, a municipality near Detroit called Hamtramck, Michigan, And this town is pretty interesting. They have a primarily Muslim population. It's the only city in the U.S. that is a majority Muslim. Uh, The entire city council is Muslim or um, Muslim convert. And they've had a couple really interesting debates in their city council. Uh, Last year or the year before, they had a call to prayer on one of the mosques, the public call to prayer that they have in some Muslim countries. They wanted to have that broadcast throughout the town to kind of call the town to Muslim prayer. They're primarily Islam, of course. And another situation they had was part of Islam culture or Islam religion is they wanted to sacrifice animals at the end of their religious time. And that actually got passed. So the, the they allowed that with certain um, you know certain rules and regulations, but they allowed animal sacrifice to occur in the area of Hamtramck. And then more recently, the city council banned the LGBTQ pride flags from being displayed on all city properties. So it's really impacting the town, the community, uh, these migrants from really all over the world, but a lot of Middle Eastern areas. And they've really changed kind of the town. It used to be a primarily Polish town, but now it's primarily Muslim. And they have all of these interesting d- debates that kind of come across the city council
1: situation. Wow. So, I mean, you know, this is this is something that impacts on culture and, by definition, the way of life of a community. Uh, if, uh, I mean, animal sacrifice, I mean, you know, that's, uh, what is the ASPCA? <laughs> or or PETA say about this?
2: Uh, I'm sure they would be uh, very opposed, especially the PETA organizations. You know, what was even interesting, so I was watching the city council uh, they had a couple meetings about the animal sacrifice specifically, and and some of the Muslims came forward and and some of the communities said, you know, we want to do this it's part of our religion. Other people came forward and said, you know, this is barbaric, this is terrible, we don't want this at all. So there's debate even within the Muslim community about whether or not they should be doing this. And 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 you're right, George, about the cultural change. I mean, this is something that not a lot of places in the U.S. Have to deal with, you know. There was a story uh, near Miami where they had some animal
1: sacrifices, but this is not something that most Americans would encounter. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember that uh, that situation in Miami where the San- Santaría um, folks were, uh, the the Cuban Santaría, were uh, uh, asking for permission to sacrifice uh, animals in their voodoo rituals. So, you know, this is uh, it. It really does change the makeup of America I mean from a from a Christian uh based Western cultural uh uh point of view to one that's now you know uh very very foreign to us um uh, what uh what do you think will happen with this I mean do you think that this will uh continue do you think that the in the name of uh of uh of uh wokeness or in the name of uh, of diversity there it's going to be allowed
2: uh so you know I, I love your question and i love your thought process as far as you know what's this going to do to the country you know because you have to ask yourself what is america then what Correct. is our culture what is our what are our values and how does that manifest itself you know can you be uh you know, of another country, speak a different language, import all of your customs, all of your rituals, and completely change the framework, you know, is that American? You know, do you want to come here from other countries, like a lot of us have, as far as our relatives, and then sort of buy into what it means to be an American, while sort of adopting your culture? You know, these are great questions. And I'm not sure that they have really specific answers. But I think the larger point here is, you know, what, what are we? What is America? What, what, what are our values? What are we going to stand for? And you see that, that they bring some of their culture, some of their habits. You know, you look at parts of Minneapolis, the Somali um, refugees that came there. They elected one of the most liberal politicians I've ever known in my lifetime. And, you know, downstate in Detroit, it's the same situation there. And, and, and you know, we get pushed back towards the other way, right? The city council banning the pride flags. You know this woke sort of progressive culture. They sometimes it doesn't always go
1: their way. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's going to be very, very interesting how they look at that, uh, how how they justify it, how the left and the liberals will uh, will deal with that whole situation. <laughs> uh, what else is going on in your in in your uh, neck of the woods, buddy? There's a couple stories that we've been looking at,
2: and you know, again, you mentioned culture and change. Uh, another one here that we've Um, spent a lot of time with is montgomery county in maryland kind of a suburb of dc and baltimore you know they've for many years been battling um immigration and changes and population changes we're looking at a story where roughly 20 of their elementary schools there now are primarily spanish speaking and that obviously changes a lot of things so the the schools have adopted this half and half policy where Half of the day is in Spanish and the other half is in English. And that's difficult for everyone, right? If you primarily speak Spanish, it's going to be tough to do the English part. If you primarily speak English, it's going to be tough to do the Spanish part. But they've, they've had such an influx of migrants and you know refugees from all over that they're having a lot of difficulty there in their school systems. And that's just that part of it, right? So you have, you know, the gang affiliations, the crime affiliations. You talk to any one of these FBI folks or Homeland Security or ICE, Montgomery County, Maryland comes up very, very often. So that obviously is going to change the total framework of those areas.
1: Wow. Yeah, I remember living, I mean, when I, when I worked in D.C., um, but that was in the 80s, I mean, which tells you how old I am. <laughs> but uh, it was in the 80s. And, um, you know, the the number of, of, um, of folks, of uh, Salvadorans particularly, that were moving into the community was, um, you know, I mean, it was incredible the number that were coming in. And uh, I remember um, a couple of the little communities were very, very open and very, very, I mean, they were talking about letting them vote, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I could see the demographic changes, but I also saw how uh, – The uh, MS-13 folks were beginning to move in and hide among the folks. So, you know, the good came with the bad.
2: You know what's even more interesting is uh, in Montgomery County – by the way, the 80s were great, I hear, so no worries there. (laughs) In Montgomery County, they had a film festival, and in the the film festival, they showcased some videos and footage of migrants coming to Maryland. And the the way they spun this was amazing. So they're called Ambassadors. They're ambassadors, and they're fleeing the climate change crisis. Oh my God! Why they came to Maryland?
4: Oh my
1: and God! And the
2: way that they sort of intertwine that whole narrative was really interesting.
1: Oh yes, yes, the climate change issue, man. Uh, uh, that's that's interesting that they are now fleeing of uh, climate change. I'm not sure if that um, if that qualifies for uh, for asylum, but you know. I'm sure that uh, under the Biden administration, they will stretch it.
2: (laughs) Anything goes.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. Uh, Anything else that you'd like to add?
2: Sure. One of the things that we've looked at, too, and this has gotten a lot of national
1: attention because of the sound of freedom, is the trafficking issue. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this has really just
2: really come to light on the national scene, which is great. And there's a lot of folks that have been pointing this out for a long time. But this is really getting a lot of steam, I think, because of this movie and because of Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel and all that they've done. And, you know, there's there's two things that come to mind here. One of them is obviously the whistleblower that came forward, Tara Rodas, talking about the 85,000 children that have come across unaccompanied minors, released sponsors of some variety, and now they're missing. And, you know, whether they're being used for sex trafficking or labor trafficking, that is a huge, huge problem that we've really tried to look at a little bit. And, you know, we're super grateful that the national community is is talking about this now. And this has gotten so big, George. Even the New York Times did an article this year in Florida, in February, excuse me. They looked at 100 migrants in 20 different states. And even here in Michigan, right, so Grand Rapids, Michigan, has a Cheerio factory. And they interviewed some of the miners that were working at this factory you know this 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 young man they talked to crossed the border alone supposedly with family via a sponsor here in grand rapids and now he's working at this factory line which you know if that's easy for the new york times to track down you can imagine the much more nefarious things that are happening and and it's just an utter travesty what is happening at the border this has huge impacts culture language you know, our country, but, and then worst case is the children issue that's happening there. And we're really grateful for folks like yourself to, to talk about this issue and cover it because the American people desperately need to know these things.
1: You got it, buddy. I mean, it, it is, it is. I mean, I, I just keep wondering when are they going to, uh, investigate these nonprofits who have been, uh, assisting in placing or in, um, uh, in, in, in uh, using or placing all of these kids i mean where where are they i mean what have they they been doing for crying out loud
2: it's it's horrendous right and and there's different degrees of sponsorship right so there's i think one through three levels there and and it's horrible and they're culpable you know they are at best case scenario they're woefully ignorant which i can't believe and worst case scenario is they're facilitating all this And, you know, just earlier, the Biden administration had changed the DNA testing that was canceled. That was canceled earlier, I think, in May of this year. And a lot of people came forward saying that that is really going to cause a lot of problems. Right. So so for your listeners, if 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 I cross over with a child and I say, oh, this is my nephew, this is my son. You know, ICE was able to utilize the Border Patrol rapid DNA testing and they conducted a small study in 2019 and uh, looked at 84 units in a, and 84 family units in a course of three
1: days. And 16 of them were fraudulent. Yep. That is a large percentage on a, on a tiny scale. Exactly. And, and you can imagine
2: just how horrific that is. And, you know, a lot of these children, they don't speak the language. They don't have the culture. They have no idea where they are. They're leaving a terrible situation and, you know, we as a as a country and a community, we are neglecting these kids. I mean, again, Tara Rodas made a great point in her testimony that some of these kids don't even speak languages that we know. Exactly. So there's there's no no hope of helping those kind of situations there. And and I agree with you. The NGOs, the government needs to take a huge look at all this and and look at themselves as people as well.
1: You got it, buddy. We're gonna let you go, but thank you very very much, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mister. Wood Lyman. With uh, Border Hawk News. We'll get you back on uh, with real soon for uh, some other update, my man.
2: Appreciate your time, George. God bless. Stay cool.
1: Take care. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got a new guest with us, uh, State Representative, Texas State Representative Brooks. Landgraf, who is um, from the 81st District of Texas, the uh, Odessa area, I believe. And I wanted to get him on because he has authored a very interesting uh, bill in the Texas State uh, House. And uh, let me preface this be- by saying that um, there, are, there is some craziness beginning to, uh, well, not beginning, but there is some craziness going on in some of the urban communities of Texas. Um, for example, in, uh, in some communities, uh, they are talking about getting rid of gas engines. Here in San Antonio, we've had uh, one of uh, the uh, bureaucrats, one of the folks in the uh, government, uh, in the council of governments, talking about getting rid of cars um, so uh, I wanted to get him on And uh, let him talk about this bill That he has authored Representative, uh, thank you very, very much For taking time to be with us uh, Tell us about this bill That you have authored and why you did
0: Well, George First of all, I just want to say I really appreciate the invitation uh, To be here uh, with you today To have the discussion uh, You know, First of all, I, I want to say how much uh, I love San Antonio I lived there for three years When I was in law school and just so happens that, you know, during those three years, the Spurs uh, won the world championship two out of the three. So I'm I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know. I've got I've got some uh, good luck, but I've got uh, nothing but love for for San Antonio. I love the people uh, and and the culture. And uh, and uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's a home away from home for me now, even though I'm I'm a West Texas native and and happy to represent the oil patch. Uh, out here in the Permian basin in the, in the Texas House of Representatives but anyway so thanks again for having me on the reason why I filed that legislation is i mean s- simply put i love texas i know that you and your listeners love texas and i don't want to california our texas and and really this is this is what it comes down to because we've seen what's happening over on the left coast in in the bay area in san francisco where they are living in this fantasy land that they can uh live in a world uh without fossil fuels or fossil fuel powered engines vehicles lawnmowers you name it and uh unfortunately (laughs) and i never thought that i would have said this about uh any city in in this great state of texas but we have some cities as you're seeing who wants to emulate that very, very bad example, uh, that's being set in California. And so, I mean, literally, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, uh, the city of Dallas, uh, proposed through its city council. I mean, there was a a formal announcement made that they intended to outlaw gasoline powered engines, diesel powered engines, uh, within the Dallas city limits, uh, later this year, uh, here in, in 2023. And so, uh, You know, that's definitely an example of trying to California or Texas. And there are a couple of reasons why that's just a a, a non-starter for me. First of all, you don't want to have a a patchwork of different regulations where uh, a certain type of engine that's been in conventional use for decades is all of a sudden legal in one city but not in another city. And you have this really confusing patchwork where, you know, your, your lawnmower might be outlawed depending on on which zip code you're in and that same thing could apply to a ford f-150 you know or any any uh gasoline-powered vehicle or diesel-powered vehicle think about a long-haul trucker who's driving you know uh you know on on i-10 uh you know into san antonio and if it's illegal there uh but legal you know in uh you know in bernie or Seguin, uh you know then you've got to you know that that could be disruptive to commerce so it, you know it just doesn't make sense. And then, as I said, being from Odessa, uh, we uh, I represent the hardworking men and women who produce uh, the crude oil and the natural gas that goes into those engines or that you know is the is the source of that fuel. and it's a it's a slap in the face to the men and women who are working hard to provide their for their families, so I represent that the stuff that they, that they are uh, working so hard to produce isn't good enough for certain cities here in Texas. You know, and then the third thing, and uh, you know, this this came out uh, here just recently. Uh, I think about the impact that it has on small business owners. Of course, in fact, we we heard we heard the story uh, about a guy uh, named uh, Juan Arroyo in Dallas who uh, has been working really hard to start his his own business. It's a lawn care service business, and you know he's built it into a pretty successful business here in the last couple of years in Dallas. But this. proposed Dallas city ordinance would have put him out of business because, you know, the biggest investment that he has, uh, you know, unless you count his, you know, his, his blood, sweat, and tears is in the equipment that he uses. And of course it's, you know, most economical for him to buy gasoline powered lawnmowers, weed eaters, uh, and other lawn care equipment. And, and he literally said, man, this, this ordinance will put me out of business. And so, you know, so those are the three reasons why, you know, when Dallas started talking about these California policies, and then other cities might be getting this idea, you know, because of this woke uh, indoctrination that's, uh, you know, unfortunately sweeping some of the liberal city halls uh, in our state and country, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, we've got to take action here in Texas and, you know, say once and for all that, look, no, it, we are going to protect energy freedom. We're going to protect consumer choice. And we're going to prevent a really, really bad situation that would have a crazy patchwork of different. Woke regulations depending on what jurisdiction you're in
1: Wow let me let me let me tell you that first of all uh, I, I applaud it because sanity has got to be brought to this to this discussion in, in Texas before it gets too far along uh, I there are there is a California family and I welcomed them to Texas that moved in a couple of years ago uh, onto my block and when I first went out to cut the grass early this spring, Um, the lady actually came came across the street and very politely asked me if it was wise for me to use a gas engine to cut the grass. Now, (laughs) these folks, I'm sorry, but these folks, they believe that they can stop the climate from changing? I mean, does that make sense, uh, Representative? (laughs) It
0: it, it doesn't uh, doesn't to me, And, and look, I mean, first of all, you've got to buy into this whole narrative that that has not been backed up. I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, some of the alarmists, you know, who 20 or 30 years ago were saying that, you know, in 10 or 15 years, you know, uh, you know, our planet would cease to exist yes. because of, of global warming. You know, none of those doomsday scenarios have, uh, you know, have come to pass. Look, technology is, is going to get better. It has been getting better. Like a lot of those, you know, a lot of these issues do get, uh, addressed. I mean, you're seeing it through the ESG movement, which, you know, I, I also think is controversial, but, you know, sometimes dollars, uh, you know, an in investment have, have a, a, an impact on that, but like to tell Mr. Arroyo there in Dallas that he's got to shut down his business and his family's livelihood because his, you know, five or six lawnmowers that he and his crew are using is just, is destroying the planet. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. And, uh, you know, and and honestly, I think it's it's something that, you know, uh, you know, liberals with a lot of guilt on their conscience, you know, come up with because they think by taking these, uh, you know, irresponsible and unreasonable measures that they're actually doing something. And, and they're not. And, uh, you know, and so we can't just, uh, you know, stand by and pat them on the back or act like it's not destructive, you uh, to to families and you know i, I keep using mr arroyo's example because he had the courage to speak up and speak out against the city council right but how many other people are in that situation you know not only in dallas but in san antonio and, and other other communities and so you know we have to take the uh you know the direct human impact of some of these policies uh into consideration as well and look if look and look if you're if your new neighbor from california you know, like I look, I, I welcome. We are a growing state, uh, and you know, if they want to bring their their talents uh, to to the state to help improve our our communities and our economy, I th- I think that's great. I, I, I welcome everybody with open arms. But don't forget why you left a place like California <laughs> to come to Texas, right?
4: Yes, exactly. you know, and so.
0: It, but if your neighbor wants to use an electric lawnmower or an edge, like that's fine. That's their choice. The, you know, people should have the freedom to, uh, choose what type of, of fuel they want. I, I mean, it's ridiculous that like, I even have to say that statement out loud, cause that should be something that, you know, should be a given, like, you know, what's, you know, the type of lawnmower that you want to use should be, you know, whatever's in your economic interest or, you know, whichever, whichever brand you're loyal to, like, that should be the determining factor, not, not some, uh, you know, overreaching, uh, city government. And so, you know, this, I, you know, we can't, we, we just have to stop living in, in this fantasy uh, world and understand that uh, these woke policies actually have negative impacts on, on actual human beings, uh, you know, whose rights are being infringed in the process. And so, you know, that's, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, and some people are saying, you know, hey, 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 Landgraf, you know, why are you getting involved at the state level in in, uh, in local city politics? you know like i thought you were uh you know for limited government and and the truth is i am like just because the state is intervening like we're we're intervening to limit government overreach you know at the at the Amen. state level and and the local level so Amen. like you know it, if it takes the, the heavy hand of the state to protect freedom in people's lives exactly. then, then i'm not going to i'm not going to apologize for that
1: exactly economic freedom yeah. economic liberty that's what america was built upon so that we that's can right. all get, so that we can all make our uh, our, our, our wealth, our independent wealth. But, um, it seems like, you know, they, uh, they want to control the politics and the wealth and that,
0: well, and I think that's what it comes down to. And, and look, I, I don't like it on, on either side of the aisle when it happens, but man, it's like government doesn't exist to control people. Exactly. Like the, we, we, the people are supposed to have control over the government. And, uh, it, and, you know, some politicians lose, lose sight of that. And, uh, you know, and those of us who don't, and, and I always welcome my constituents to remind me, you know, if, if, if you ever see me deviate from that path, I want you to, I want you to speak up yeah, immediately man. and let me know, you know, because I mean, I, I want to be held accountable by my constituents because that's who I'm here to serve. And and, and and when politicians fail to remember who they're serving and want to control, uh, then, man, we've, we're, we've lost our way. And so those of us who want, want to stand up, protect people's rights, protect that, uh, consumer choice, that energy freedom. Uh, and it's bigger than just this issue, but like this issue is included in that, and, and we've got to stand up and fight because if we don't, California's coming, man.
1: <laughs> Boy, are they, <laughs> folks? Yeah. Thank you very, very much, uh, Representative uh, Land, uh, Landgraf. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with with us. We've been we've been speaking with um, Texas State Representative Brooks Landgraf from uh, the great, oh, uh, o- o- the Permian Basin. Thank you very much for fighting for us and uh, and for taking time to be with us on the show.
0: And George, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, God bless you and, and everybody listening. Thank you very
1: much. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio.